Welcome to the Sunday evening service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where Pastor Lauren Regeer opens God's Word each week to provide us with biblically-based teaching that helps you meet life head-on. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, here is Pastor Lauren Regeer. How to find freedom from discouragement. I do love, I'll admit it, to go to Cracker Barrel, um, not because I'm encouraged when I go there, but I like to look at the old tools on the wall. I'm getting a little older. I don't know if you've noticed that, but uh, I, uh, I grew up around the farm, at least when we are on furlough and worked a lot of times on the farm. And so some of those tools I've even asked my father about before he went home to glory. He had a better connection with some of those antique tools. But I love to look at those things and try to figure out what they're all about, how they're used on the farm. It was advertised that the devil was going to put all of his tools up for sale. Each tool was carefully marked, and every tool was well-worn, well-used, and what a treacherous lot they were. There was hatred and envy, lust and bitterness, jealousy, doubt, lying, pride. Each was marked with a price, and all were priced fairly high. Set apart from the stack of tools the devil used, There was one harmless-looking tool, very well-worn and priced higher than any other. What's the name of that tool? asked one of the buyers. Oh, said the adversary, that's the tool of discouragement. And why have you placed such a high price on that one? Well, said the adversary, it is my most useful tool. With it, I can get near to a person's heart who would otherwise never let me come near. Discouragement opens the door, their heart, and it's astounding to me how many other tools I can use once I get in the door. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've ever been discouraged. Most of us, I think, if we live very long at all, have been. Paul himself uh, would, uh, would agree with us that there are seasons of discouragement in all of our lives. And I, as I was reading through Romans chapter 8, I noted at least four groanings that uh, really caught my attention. We'll look at them tonight, Romans chapter 8. We'll begin reading verse 1, and then we'll skip to verse 14 and read some of these principles that may help us with the groans that we utter in our lives when it comes to discouragement. Chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news? Who walk not after the flesh... But after the Spirit, now verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, a familial term for, uh, for our Father in heaven. The Spirit itself beareth witness with ours that we're the children of God. And if we're children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, and all of us who are believers do, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon, Paul says, like a good southerner, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Remember, Paul is perhaps one of the most scarred up apostles in the bunch. He says, I reckon The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. For the earnest expectation 
of the creature, human creature, and also others, the created world, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, futility, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty the children of God. For we know, might want to circle a word here, for we know that the whole creation groaneth. I don't know if you can hear it, but it is. And travaileth, they call it in science, the law of entropy. Everything is slowly dying. And travaileth in pain together till now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, there it is again, groan within ourselves. Caught yourself groaning lately over the condition of the world? We're waiting for the adoption, that is, or to wit, the redemption of our body, for we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he hope yet for it? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, some great verses here. The Spirit helps us in our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts, your heart and mine, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. How to have you read this verse with me. You know it well, don't you? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. Those He called, He justified and those he justified, them he also glorified. One more verse, a favorite of mine. What shall we say then to these things that discourage us? <laughs> if God be for us, who can be against us? I was watching with interest the game on Friday night that our boys were playing in, basketball game, and in the first quarter it seemed like we heard some groanings from the basketball court as two of their young men that played basketball, both of whom had a little accident under the basket and sprained their ankles badly. And we heard these two boys all the way into the stands making their groanings of the pain in their feet, their foot that was twisted because how they fell. Well, all of us, I'm sure, face discouragement. Romans 8 follows chapter 7 where Paul makes his case that our justification is by faith alone in the finished work of Christ alone and His overwhelming grace that is more than enough. But I understand that doctrinally. I know that, and so do you doctrinally, but I still struggle with the discouragements of life. Do you? Be honest. All of us, I'm sure, would have to say, yes, we do. A discouraged person often, this might be the case for you, is overwhelmed by the inability that he has to overcome the continual pressure of a sin-cursed world and the 
ease with which our sinful flesh is drawn away, uh, prone to wonder, as the psalm, songwriter said, we live in a sin-cursed world and we have a sin-cursed body. And so this chapter, chapter 8, opens with this wonderful declaration, there is therefore now no, isn't that great? No condemnation to those which are in Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. All three of the no condemnations in the Bible are found in the book of Romans. Did you know that? All of them are found in the book of Romans. And Paul here utters one of the great ones. Because of what Christ did on the cross for us, that is, He took that criminal record which was stacked against us, all the sins that we have committed, will commit, or are committing, are under the blood. He has wiped them out because of His shed blood, His atoning sacrifice for us. And because of that, yes, we will face the consequences of our sin, but you will never face God in judgment where He judges you for, his, for your sin because what? He's paid for it. Jesus paid it all. It's a great thought. You will never face the condemnatory, accusatory voice of God in judgment as those that do not know Christ. He has paid for your penalty. That's good news. No matter how discouraged we are tonight, the full payment and pardon has been transferred to our account. You will not now nor ever be condemned. But not only that, building into these groanings in chapter 8, we have to remember another great truth. Not only has God paid it all, He's brought us into His family as children, His own adopted sons and daughters. And so we enjoy the same rights or many of the privileges that come by being joint heirs. Of, we're adopted into His family, the privileges, the inheritance that comes from knowing Jesus. And when we see Him, the Bible says, when He shall appear, we shall see Him as He is, and we shall be conformed, glorified, sinless, perfected, complete, in Him. Now, all that's good teaching and preaching, but before we get to heaven, we got to cross up, cross this whole, what, what Spurgeon said, this old dried up riverbed of life where we have the aches and pains and the curse of the fall, uh, and we feel the thorns, we feel the hurts, we carry in our hearts many of the groanings that come with the discouragement of failures and sin. Well, Let's take a look at the first cry. We mention it in verse 15. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry. I've circled that word as one of uh, the words that I'm going to use for the first uh, exhibit or the first example of groaning. This is the cry of recognition, the cry or the groan of recognition. We cry, Abba, Father, for the Spirit, verse 16, beareth witness with our... If you're truly born again, there is a longing in your soul for Christ, for God. Sometimes we make a mistake when all we want is to be relieved from a problem we're going through, but truly what we need is Him. Our grandson, um, the newest one that we have, Asa, uh, and every, I, you know, forgive me for bringing up my grandson. I just happen to know, I have a couple pictures. But uh, every newborn, not yet able to say words, can communicate, can't they? 
In fact, if you're a mother here tonight, in fact, if you're a father, you remember those days when your baby infant uh, baby would cry out. And you knew, especially if you're a mother, you knew what each cry meant before they could articulate it with words, right? You could. You knew the change me cry, the feed me cry, the hold me cry, the pick me up cry, the don't ignore me cry, the put me down cry, put me to sleep cry. There's all, as a mother, you know all of those, even before they can speak a word. But what our daughter and son-in-law love the most are the looks and the cries that uh, really are cries or groans of recognition that say from those little eyes, I'm yours, <laughs> and you're mine, and I need you. You know, God sends discouraging times in our lives for us to cry out, not for His relief or release from a problem, but to cry out, God, we need you. I've included tonight, just because I can, a slide of Asaph with one of these looks. Now, i got to tell you, when I saw that picture, with those hands folded and toes curled, and I don't know what kind of outfit he's got on, with the little ears, but the look that says, Mama, would you, what mother, I don't know why she's got him locked in that little blue thing, but what mother? would not be compelled. What grandfather? <laughs> I, I saw this picture, and now Robin is on her way to pick this little chap up. I don't know if it's because she saw the picture or not, but I just about canceled all my appointments when they sent this picture to me this week. said, I'm coming. That kid needs me. Well, I'd like to hold him anyway, whether he needs me or not. He's got a good mother taking care of him. But all of you know that look, Mom, don't you? It says, would you pick me up? That's the cry or the groan. Uh, I long for my mother. I want to be held by my mother or father. Would you please stop what you're doing and pick me up? All right, that's enough of that. You can change that slide. Or you could just leave it up on that screen. No, that's all right. So the groaning of my heart, first of all, the deepest hunger of my heart is for my beloved Lord, this identification with Him that comes because I am related now um, by new birth. The Spirit of God is in me. We see that in verse 15. We've received the Spirit by adoption. And this is the groan of identity that will turn to praise when He comes for us in glory. You see that in verses 18. I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. You're going through it, maybe. But no, because of your place in Christ, because of your adopted position with, with the Lord, you will be whisked. He will come for you. He will not keep walking by you in your pain and leave you alone in the high chair, so to speak. He will come for you because you're His Son, and this is said in verse 19, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. It's wonderful that we have been adopted in verse 21. The creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So we see that 
as an exciting uh, cry, groan for identity, for recognition, and it's so important. And this section of the Bible really teaches us to elevate our focus and understand that the weight of our pain, the weight of our sin, one day will evaporate when we see Him. The song says it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. And Paul is simply saying there is no comparison. No, verse 18, there is no comparison no matter what you're going through. I prayed with David and we did this this week and, 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 and none of us around the table wanted to trade places with David Blaisdell this week for what he's going to have to go through. But Paul, the scarred up apostle, said, I, I want you to know that no matter what you face, nothing can compare. It's light in comparison to the joy that you will that will be revealed at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I don't know how difficult it is for you or how, how joyful uh, your experiences have been. The best thrill you know today, the most vibrant sunrise, the tastiest delicacy, the sweetest fragrance cannot be compared to the appearing of the Lord. So it is, we are to remember the deepest loss can't compare, cannot compare to the glory which shall be revealed, the present difficulty. 2 Corinthians is a great verse, or a great passage, chapter 4, 17. The superlatives are stacked one upon another. He says, for my light affliction, Paul speaks of a light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory The Bible indicates there is a glory for suffering program. The more we suffer now, the greater will be the joy and the glory at His appearing. Psalm 56 and verse 8 tells us another thing. If you're going through it and there's been tears in your life recently, the Lord says, I'm keeping your tears in a bottle. Do you know that? That's a figurative, of course. I don't think we get up to heaven and you look at all these jars in the pantry of heaven. I don't think that's the thing. But God is remembering every pain you go through, every tear, and He keeps them in remembrance, and He will repay, and the payment will far exceed your light affliction. Just know that. Thou tellest my wonderings, my tossings. The word is, you've, you, you know my tossings and my turnings. What does that remind you of? A sleepless night. Been through that recently? You know those. You put my tears in a bottle Are they not written in a book? And so the Lord himself tracks our difficulties. Well, there are other groans here we'll look at quickly. Not only the groans of children for their father or mother, there's the creation groaning. We've already read or alluded to that. All creation, verse 19. The expectation of creation is to wait for the manifestation of the sons of God when God will... uh, make this wickedness disappear. He will eradicate and restore, bring back to full glory what was lost in the garden. So the creation is groaning. The Bible tells us that. Verse 22, we know the whole creation groaneth and travaileth. What is that word? It is the same... uh, a word that's used for childbirth. I don't know. I, sometimes I see the glories of nature, and I don't hear the 
the silent cry of nature. But all of nature, ladies, some of you have gone through childbirth. You know the pain of that. The Bible says in clear language that the whole world, the created world, now obviously trees can't sin. We know that. Sometimes you may wonder about your pet cat or dog. Creation doesn't have a sin nature. It has been affected, though, by the fall of man. And so it is longing, too, for the moment that God restores it the way it ought to be. And certainly in the new Jerusalem, there will be no sin. But even in the millennium, we're going to see the lion laying down with the kid goat or the lamb. And even children playing with serpents and not getting bit or poisoned. God will reconstitute. And right now, whether you can hear it or not, all of the world is longing. And we do see, don't we, the signs of the fall. You see the volcanoes recently, the tidal waves, the hurricanes, tornadoes, and all these natural disasters. Well, this is the corruption. This is the cry of corruption, of decay. The pain of childbirth is pictured. The whole world is groaning for the return of that one who will make all things right. I don't know how your struggle is with pain, but think about the pain for a moment, just especially you ladies of childbirth in verse 22. How many of you ladies have sent a picture of your faces during childbirth to your friends? No, that's never a pretty picture. It may have a little caption, never again, right, underneath as you struggle through that. But many of you, most all of you have the sweet pictures that come when? After the baby is born and you're holding that dear one in your arms, wives holding the newly delivered baby. None of us go around showing off pictures of her face during delivery. That's the face we see, even though We look around, there's some very beautiful places in nature, but the world is held in the travail, waiting for the return of the king. The groanings before delivery, a vivid illustration of our anticipation for glory. All creation is groaning. And we see that in just turning on the news and seeing the fires, the destruction, the mudslides, the death. All these things are leaning forward to that moment when Christ will make all things new. So there's the cry of recognition, the longing for Abba, Father, to return. There's the groaning of creation. All creation wants to see His return. And there's, a, there's that phrase that every mother can identify with. There's pain all around us. But one day, this world will be reborn and make all things right. Creation is groaning. We see that in verse 20. And we also see something else. We see that believers are groaning, verse 23. And not only they, or the created world, the creatures, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. We have been saved, haven't we? Inside of us is the Spirit of God, although we, we, He's encapsulated in a sinful body. But we do have the glimmers, the first fruits, don't we, of His goodness in us, the fruit of the Spirit that we've tasted of. We've tasted and seen that God is good, the joy that He brings to us. 
in spite of circumstances, the grace, the meekness, the long the patience that He's building in us. And we've had a taste of glory. But oh, what a joy it will be to see Him face to face without the presence of sin and the compulsion to sin in a perfect environment. And so we see that grown too. We're groaning even ourselves, waiting, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of the body when we get our glorified body. And so although we groan today, we know that in just a little while, this life will be over and we get to see the Lord where we get to enjoy the shouts of celebration in glory. We surround the throne. That first week in heaven, can't you just see it? As we get an introduction to the glories of heaven. And so Paul says, we're groaning now, but it's for, and I often use this phrase, it's as though we are pressing our faces against the windows of heaven, wanting nothing more than God our Father to appear and that cry from our heart, the adoption that will be completed there as we take uh, residence in heaven, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by this hope. Believers are groaning, persecuted now. Our spirits are trapped in bodies that are sin-cursed. And even Paul himself would say, you know, I cry out, woe is me. Why do I sin like I do? He, he struggles with that in chapter 7. Our lives consist of groanings, but we are looking forward to that wonderful time, verse 23, when God will reclaim His own. We groan today in disappointment, sorrow, loss, and pain. But we uh, look forward to that day when all things will be made new. We groan within ourselves, but in our spirit we're on our tiptoes, looking forward to that moment He will call us home. There is, of course, one more these instances in this text today about groaning. Likewise, verse 26, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Do you know that tonight, if you'll just let Him, the Spirit of God will help you with your struggles? He will. And the Bible says He, is, he and the, the Son, the second and the third person of the Godhead, combine to make groanings which cannot, they intercede for us. Have you ever been through something that you don't even know how to pray about? Have you ever gone through something so difficult that in your heart and in your mind, you don't even know how to articulate the words? And the best way you know how, you, you present your prayer request to the Lord, I don't know what the future holds, I don't know where this battle is going to go, I don't know... I just don't know, Lord. And isn't it great that the Spirit of God takes your prayers and translates them to the Father in such a way that, is, that it is within the will of the Father for you? Sometimes I pray prayers that I like to retract. Lord, wait a minute. I didn't mean, I didn't really want that. And the, the Lord knows our frame. He considers that we're made of dust. He knows that in the midst of a the trappings of this old sinful world and this body that's tempted by sin, that sometimes our prayers are misdirected. Isn't it good that we have a translator, an advocate in glory, the Spirit who leans over uh, to the Father and the Son too. I know they're all one, but they have this unified 
collective wisdom that takes our prayers, even the unprayed prayers, and always seeks our best. And the Spirit is groaning on our behalf, understanding the, the Son knows the pain we're going through. And this moment, there is an ongoing intercessory ministry that the Spirit of God has for you. And that's wonderful. Some of you are going through some difficult things. We groan within ourselves, but the Spirit also is making intercession for us with groanings that cannot be translated because it's a heavenly language. Verse 27, he that searcheth the hearts knoweth, someone searching your heart tonight knows your discouragement, knows your pain. He knows what the mind of the Spirit is, Spirit, big S, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so we know that all things will work together for good. The groaning of the Spirit of God. These are wonderful, wonderful truths tonight about discouragement. I trust that you know that God Himself is on your side and He is translating your prayers and your needs before the Father. The saints in glory are also groaning. We haven't added that to the list, but they're praying to the Lord, how long, how long, Lord, before you return on that white horse and make things right? What a great chapter this is for those that may be discouraged. Soon God will say, it's time for all groanings to be over, to cease, and glory to be revealed. Oh, that will be glory for me, as the song says, glory for me. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Pastor Lauren Regeer at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.